Welcome back to the Black and Raw podcast. I'm your host, Tino Kudatondarai Vunzalbaya. And I ain't going to repeat that. Here's a podcast that's creating the dialogue and the space for black men to be their most authentic selves. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered what it takes to engineer some of the most revolutionary platforms of our time? Well, today's guest is someone that's not only engineered them, but has been at the forefront of technological innovation for over a decade. Joining us today is none other than Bobby D, a trailblazer, a mentor, and dare I say, a wizard of coding. Bobby's journey from a curious kid in a Haitian migrant family to one of the chief engineers at Twitter is nothing short of inspiring. Picture this, Bobby's a young boy with a knack for fixing things, engineering through a sea of traditional career expectations, yet fueled by an insatiable curiosity for engineering. Odd, he embarks on the journey armed with the determination and unwavering support from his family. Fast forward and Bobby D scaling the ranks at Twitter faster than you can refresh your timeline from IT help desks to mastering the intricacies of a vast computing infrastructures. He's done it all. But what sets Bobby apart isn't just his technical prowess, it's his commitment to fostering diversity and inclusion in the tech world. Imagine a world where everyone has a seat at the table where diverse perspectives fuel innovation and drive progress forward. Bobby's dedication to empowering underrepresented groups through his platform, The Tech Hustle, is breaking down barriers and paving the way for more inclusive tech ecosystems. So buckle up guys, get ready to be inspired because today Bobby is going to take us on the journey through the intersection of technology, diversity and empowerment. Without further ado, let's give my guy Bobby D, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby D from Miami, you know, bringing that Miami heat, that Miami flavor, that Miami energy is my guy, Bobby D. So here is my episode with Bobby D. So Bobby, welcome to the Black and Raw podcast. It's really good to have you on. Yeah, for sure, Tino. Thank you for inviting me. And like uh, our first encounter, I'm looking forward to uh, the conversation and uplifting your audience. Bro, bro, bro. So yeah, so I sort of just um, get straight into it. And, you know, you're somebody that uh, had a passion for engineering. Um, and I feel like whenever we talk, whenever we hear about engineers, everyone's like, oh yeah, he had it when he was a kid and he was taking apart toys and he always was like looking at how things work and stuff like that. Um, and I guess just for you sort of like, how was those sort of early experiences and journeys and sort of you know, get yeah. excited about engineering. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So uh, just thinking about my early childhood is very much aligned with what you're talking about. Uh, Cause I was one of those kids that used to take apart everything and I wasn't really taking apart just to break it, which is what my parents always used to think, but I actually <laughs> wanted to know why it worked. Right. I don't know if you remember the days where you had a remote control car and then it had a wire to it. And then the next Christmas I get a remote control car with no wire. I'm like, how in the world did that happen? <laughs> yeah. You know, like where, why is this light turning on and why is the car moving? And then I start to learn about radio frequencies and things like that. And I'm one of those, once I get in a rabbit hole, I go as deep as I can to understand how stuff work. Um, but it's really just foundationally like my interest in understanding like, wow, if somebody else can create that, 
um, I can only imagine what I can create. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I I do remember those sort of pull out remote controls of the cars and stuff like that. Those those are kind of cool. And, you know, you know, one thing where people are like, oh, kids don't have like, or no, kids do have personalities. But some people are like, oh, you know, you can't really tell what a kid likes when they're younger and stuff. But I feel like there's always sort of those little traits in which you start to show when you're younger, which sort of can develop a lot when you're older. Um, And I guess sort of how did this curiosity, um, you know, sort of help you go on your journey into the tech industry? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And um, definitely big shout outs to you acknowledging like uh, you have to be watching your children to see what their interests are, because uh, sometime unintentionally parents can, you know, shift you away from it. Um, I had that scenario happen just a little bit. I'm I'm originally, you know, Haitian American. So my parents are from Haiti. And one of the skill sets that they always pushed on me is you need to become a doctor. You need to become a lawyer. <laughs> oh, like, you know that, that whole rundown, right? Stable jobs, stable jobs. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, yo, but you know, I like, you know, taking stuff apart, computers and during that era, I'm an 80s baby. So uh, it definitely was that time of evolution in terms of just what we were using as tech. Uh, But my parents didn't really push me, but they were like pointing me in that direction. And my dad was like, no, no, no. I know what you're good at. I see all this stuff you do with these computers. I used to mess with radios, DVD players. I used to fix TVs. And it's like, you know what? You need to go to school and learn something or at least a trade. Uh, to actually take this to the next level. Mm. So it really just came from my parents embracing this idea of that, hey, they may have one of their kids, not a doctor or lawyer, uh, but I guarantee <laughs> he's going to get something, especially how bright he is. So big ups to my parents. And I really do appreciate them um, catching that early um, and helping me develop it and definitely pointing me in that direction with that support. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes, as you were saying, parents sort of need to watch their kids because I feel like there's times where your kids are doing stuff and, you know, you can you can sometimes end up squashing it. Um, And like for for my parents, for me, I I always changed like sort of what career I wanted to do and things like that. But I was someone that was always chatty, that was always bubbly, sort of can sort of talk to anybody, interact with anybody. Um, I did plays at school. I did drama. I was really good at those things. Um, and I think sort of, you know, I, now, now I'm a social worker, um, still sort of aligned with that talking and, you know, but for me, I always sort of wanted to do something creative and, you know, at one point I wanted to be a, D, a DJ, one point I wanted to be, um, a, you know, a musician or a director or an actor, um, and, you know, I remember I was talking to someone one day and they're like, you know what, you, you never know, like, you know, YouTubers these days are, are, do, are doing boxing, bro. Who would have thought? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so true, so true. <laughs> you never know what life could bring at you. Um, and yeah, I think watching those sort of early experiences as a child, you know, definitely can help you figure out maybe what you're doing when you're older. For sure, for sure. Um, so, you know, I guess you were talking about how your dad was like, right, you need to go and, and learn a trade. Like you need to go and learn about this and immerse yourself into it. So I guess what was, you know, going going to high school, going to college and figuring all of that out and sort of being like, this is, this is where I want to go to. Where did those cogs start ticking? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my story starts graduating high school in 2000. I'm giving my age out a little bit. I'm an 80s <laughs> baby. 
Um, and like I said, when I graduated, I, I wasn't really like honing on pursuing like those higher education in terms of doctors and lawyers. And for me, I was just a C student chasing girls, you know, high school life, you know, <laughs> you know how that goes. Right. Um, but there was a point where I got to the end of school, obviously graduating high school and, you know, sitting down with my parents trying to figure out what's next. Uh, financially, we wasn't in a situation where it was like, oh, I had money to the side and or I had scholarships. So it was like, yo, putting two to two together. One of the best advices my father gave me was like, hey, uh, imagine if you go get a vocational um, two years, you know, studying, become like an apprentice and learn something and then, you know, focus on it for another five to 10 years. Just imagine how good you're going to be. And I was like, you know what, Pops, you know, um, just understanding the financial impact, let's say that I wanted to go to a four-year college and or the burden I put on my parents. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on that. So I decided to go to a two-year technical school. Um, and another sidebar is I actually was the first person in my family to graduate high school. So we didn't really know what was, you know, to do next, right? Because mm -hmm. we're, you know, immigrants and I'm a child of immigrants. And it's like, we don't get all those lessons as uh, we grow up, but we definitely develop them. But uh, after, you know, attending two-year technical school um, and using certifications, specifically in the field of engineering, um, gave me an opportunity to hit the ground running. And, I, and if you know me and people that do know me straight up knows that if I'm passionate about something, I'm focused on something, and I really put that my mindset to it, there's nothing that I can achieve. Um, and that's what really just allowed me to get my initial step into the industry and heading that direction. So um, I didn't attend a four-year college. I don't have no Ivy League. Um, but hey, with the support of my family, my parents, um, and definitely the things that I know, um, me personally, my inner you know, gifts, um, I know that I could achieve great things. And we'll definitely get into those a little bit later. Yeah, no, I, you know what, honestly, and it is such a luxury to sort of have parents that believe in you and that give you sort of words of wisdom. And even you're saying, you know, you're a hate, you were, you, you came from Haiti to the US and, you know, there's a lot of sort of barriers and challenges for, for anybody moving to a new country, especially people of color and having your dad sort of have the awareness of like, this kid likes this, I'm going to sort of push him into this area not put sort of stress on like oh you have to go to college you have to you know what we we're talking about earlier you have to yeah, be a doctor to you have to be a lawyer there wasn't that sort of pressure on you but I think he sort of probably knew the character that you were that listen he can go and do this and he can go and excel in whatever he does yeah for sure and and I tell you uh well one of the greatest things in my journey is when I look back uh because my parents are originally from Haiti and they came here a uh, young age my mother had me when she was 17. Um, and from there, it was like understanding their struggle, coming to a new country, don't speak the language, don't have family here. And like I said, I was the first one born here and first one to graduate high school. Uh, just for them to, you know, develop that is something that is always an inspiring story that I reflect on all the time because um, the reason why I do it is because they laid the path forward for me and I can't let them down, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> uh, if I got to carry the torch, uh, put it on my back and I got you type stuff. So that's why I always... I reflect on that and definitely appreciate everything they've ever given to me. Yeah. Is, you know what, like, I think one thing just hearing you sort of talk, like, do you feel like there is a pressure on sort of, you know, first generation sort of, well, I guess, I guess second generation migrants, you know, our parents were both the first generation, but, you know, trying to do better than your parents and, feel like you may have to like, okay, they've, they've done all of this. They've moved to another country for me. They've put me through school. Like, I don't know. Do you feel that pressure? Did you ever feel that pressure? Yeah. You know, as when I was younger, um, I didn't really connect it because the other thing that a lot of people don't realize about immigrants is 
they come here to work, obviously, to support their family here, but they're also supporting a family back home. So it's always like, yo, um, it didn't connect the dots until I was like, oh, my parents are literally supporting three families, the family here, my mom's family and my father's family. And I'm like, of course, I have to give to that. And that's the pressure that I feel is not the pressure of like, hey, um, it's weighing on me, but it's a pressure as in I know I have this. And I use the word obligation, but I have this inside of me feeling like, hey, I need to give back and make sure that I represent for what they've come over here to do. Right. Uh, because it's like my father always used to say this. Uh, my grandfather was a farmer um, and my father was like, hey, his father told him you need to be better than me. And as my dad said, hey, I'm, I'm here working at these low end jobs. Um, I'm an immigrant, um, but you need to be better than me. And in my mind, I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity. We're, we're in the United States. The, the doors are open. Uh, you better walk through. <laughs> don't, don't look back and not, not take an opportunity. And that's what really just gave me that passion for me to push um, and I don't feel like it's a weight that um, it's a burden that I can't carry. It's one that I ask for. And whenever my parents come um, and if they ask for me for anything, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm right there to support them and just definitely know the sacrifices they made for for, for me and my brother to, to succeed in this country. Yeah. To, you know what? Like I, I couldn't have imagined what my life would have looked like if I stayed in Zimbabwe with my family. Um I think it was really hard for my mom and I'm probably my dad as well, but I think my mom has talked about more. Well, they both talked about how hard it was for them, you know, leaving your family, leaving everybody behind, coming to a country where, you know, you're maybe not wanted, you maybe not likes, you know, you maybe not valued yeah. and being able to build a life here. Um, and, you know, having that sort of, you know, you've got to, you've got to do better than your parents. My, my parents have told me that, you know, even my uncles have been like, yo, you see what your parents are doing? Yeah. You've got to, you've got to top that. You've got to top that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, there was one time where maybe the pressure got a, a bit, not a bit too much, but like, I sort of felt it. Like I remember I was in my, I was doing my GCSEs and I was so worried that I was going to sort of just not do well. Um, I was thinking, oh, how am I going to, like, I don't know why I was thinking about this when I was a 16, 15 year old, but I was like, oh, how am I going to support my family? Like, how am I going to make sure that I'm doing better than my parents? And, you know, fortunately my dad, I, I don't know, I don't know why he came into my room at that time. But he like, he just put his arm around me, just said, yo, you're going to do some amazing things. Like, I believe in you and just like proper sort of consoled me. But like, I, I was in tears. Like I was so, I was so stressed within myself about trying to be better than them. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think, and, oh, go on. And just to add, I, I could definitely relate to that. Um, and then, you know, one thing that my pops told me one time that it, it sat with me for so many years. Um, he said, yo, if you fail, what do you fail back to? you feel back to your family, right? It's mm -hmm. like, well, we're here where this is like the foundation, right? And if you fail in this country, especially the United States, uh, failing is the process of learning and developing. So he says, go out there and do it. If you fail, just, we got you. And then we get back at it, right? And that was something that just took that feeling of like, oh my gosh, hold on. If, if I have an ability to dream and achieve great things and my parents are telling me that off rip, I'm not a failure because I, they got me. That just opened up my mind for me to just push forward. And um, I can definitely resonate with the pressure that a lot of children of immigrants feel. Um, but just know that your parents, they made this sacrifice for a reason, right? And, and if you can continue to push forward, um, and definitely some advice for your audience members, regardless of their struggle, um, you definitely have that feeling of support. I um, mean, once you have that, 
for me, I, I always got my one, one hand touching back and trying to reach for the stars type <laughs> stuff. You know what I'm saying? So uh, just keep moving forward, but definitely it resonates with me. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd love to sort of touch on, you know, I guess your, your rise through sort of the tech industry. Like, like where do you start off? Like where, what was those starting sort of steps? Yeah. So uh, my career started off, uh, and, and like I said, I didn't have that four-year college degree, so I wasn't really able to jump into any big opportunities. It was like, I know I had to take the scenic route, which I tell my mentees <laughs> all the time. Um, and I started working at the help desk. The help desk is basically uh, the 911 for when your computer breaks or if you need support, password resets and things like that. The tech um, guys. But, yeah, the tech guys, right? The 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 We have... Uh, uh, what they have at Best Buy. I can't remember what the, the, the company's called, but they're like tech gurus. Um, and I mean, I, I was fixing computers, taking them apart, putting them back together, installing the operating systems, removing viruses, you know, setting up stuff. I mean, I was really getting deep into it. Um, but one thing that I noticed in the process is that, yo, uh, there's more things that I can learn and or there's more levels to this. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really started at the ground floor and I was like, yo, I know I can be at the penthouse, you know, within 10 years if I stay on this grind or setting my path to different um, skill sets that I want to develop. develop. So after working um, for a bank here in the United States for about a year and a half, unfortunately, I got laid off my very first job. Right. Um, and I'm actually grateful that I experienced that because I, I, I it actually helped tailor my growth and also mm. my awareness of keeping my ears to the streets on what's going on in the company. So if I got to slide out, they ain't going to cut me. I'm going to cut them before. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. Right? So <laughs> I was grateful to have that experience early and it actually opened up an opportunity for me to work for a company that gave me a chance to travel the world domestically and internationally for four years straight. Um, so I would became like a field engineer, basically taking those same help desk skills, but going to cruise ships. So I used to go on cruise ships all over the world. Oh, that sounds um, lit, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine? And let me tell you, I was 19, 20, 21, 23 oh. is when I finally left. Oh my gosh. You, you, you know, I was out there. <laughs> yeah. I was having a good time experiencing life, um, but also really just developing as a person. Um, and I sometimes consider that me going away for college because uh, just like, you know, people leave home to go away to college and learn and develop. I actually got to travel the country uh, working on computer systems on cruise ships. Um, so I did that for about uh, three to four years. Um, and then I got married and my wife was like, yo, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you. If, if, if she can't go, then I can't go. I'm like, what yeah. do you mean? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then we have my daughter come out. I was like, all right, all right. So it's time for me to kind of shift gears and shift directions. Uh, but during that time of uh, working for that uh, startup or that small company traveling uh, world, I started to level up on more certifications. So I got keen to the hustle like, yo, if I got certifications, the college degree don't really mean nothing. Yo, if I got that cert and that cert, oh, they definitely going to hire me, especially mm -hmm. if I get a chance to conversate with them. Um, I don't know if about you, but you, you can already hear, I, I can put two or three words together, you know, <laughs> put, put some light behind me. Um, so I actually started to pursue a skill set and more specifically learning a skill set that nobody else wanted to learn. Um, during the era, this is about 2003, 2004, 2005, a lot of administrators were only using windows and they're using their mouse and they're configuring it through the nice GUI interface. But there was these set of engineers that were working at something called the command line. It's one of those black screens that have like green letters and you kind of see hackers using yeah, it and stuff like that. In those so, TV shows, you're like, oh, yeah. what, what, what's going on? <laughs> All right. So I was like, yo, 
I want to go learn what they're doing. And I was like, all right, not just learn it, but I want to get a certification that validates that I know what I'm doing. Mm. So I actually pursued a certification called the Red Hat Certified Engineer. And this was at the time, one of the top certifications that not just the AB test that you have to take, but you actually have to fix a computer in front of somebody, talk about it, fix all the things that they say, and then submit that computer for them to say, all right, yeah, yeah, you got it type stuff. Yeah. Um, and I went and got that certification. And I mean, the doors start to swing open. <laughs> it was like, yo, uh, you got what certification? I was like, yeah, I got that. Um, so then I ended up working for state local government here in South Florida for a few years. Um, and then I moved on to work for a company called Citric Systems, um, which is a, 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 if you ever heard of GoToMeeting, uh, WebEx and stuff like that, it's the same type of platform that they okay. used to provide. Um, and then um, actually in 2013, worked for this really cool social media company. Um, I don't know if you know it. Um, it's the one that used to be the little blue bird. You know what that one is? I don't know what you're on about. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 now they call now it X, right? Yeah, now, now it's black and just boring. And, you know, some billionaire decided, I want yeah, this. You know? And then I don't yeah, want it. Right? And now I have to take it. For sure, right? So I actually worked at Twitter for almost 10 years, almost a decade, taking those same skills and applying them at a larger scale. Um, and I actually became a senior leader over there um, in the systems engineering or site reliability engineering side of the platform. Um, and overall, I like to remind people about, you know, where I started from, uh, my journey. But, yo, I got to sit at the table with the big boys. And, and let me tell you, I, Nipsey even said it. He was like, yo, um, I'm at the table with sharks and nobody wants to bait me. That's the kind of you know <laughs> vibe that I brought to the table. Uh, because I brought this different type of diverse perspective and ideas. And I tell you, when I went over there in engineering, I've done some crazy stuff that the world doesn't even know it was me. Mm. <laughs> so uh, definitely that's a little bit about my journey. And uh, we'll talk about what I've been doing afterwards, but definitely big ups uh, to, you know, uh, really carving this niche um, and hopefully providing a path for others to follow. Um, and definitely your audience uh, hearing some of the stories. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it all went down to. I mean, man, you got to talk about Twitter, bro. Like, what what was it like being at Twitter? And, you know, we, when we were talking before, you were telling me that you sort of had your ear to the ground before before the big boy Tesla came in. Facts, so, like, yeah, what was it like just working at a place like that? Oh, man, it's it's literally... So there's a mantra that we had at the company is to love where you work. And I mean, I really loved and fell in love with what I worked because the vibe, the culture, the technology, uh, the experience that I gained... And I tell you, I've worked with some of the world-class engineers that I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to rub shoulders with them again like that. Mm. Um, developing systems from the ground up. Uh, so to give you some more context about what I worked on at Twitter, and then we'll talk about, you know, what it was like being a blackbird over there. Uh, <laughs> but the system that I helped manage and support and became a technical lead for is literally like AWS, GCP, and all of those cloud platforms that you hear, you know, everybody's talking about. We actually build our own at Twitter and I helped build that cloud platform. Um, and basically it managed 90% of all the web applications and APIs that everybody accessed on a daily basis. And it's one of those systems that uh, if somebody flips that switch, the whole world knows about it. Mm. <laughs> so that's like the, the type of infrastructure engineering and systems that I worked on. Um, and back to working at Twitter, 
Uh, like I said, I started back in 2013. This is before IPO. So, you know, they were throwing money like crazy, having parties, you know, just having yo. time. <laughs> I mean, yo, the, the cool thing about it is, is that I said I went through it, right? You see some pictures of back in the days, you see that one black person right there? That, that's <laughs> Yeah, man, it was it was a really good time. Um, and I tell you, one one thing that a lot of things that I take for granted is how much good of a time we had because the culture there was really revolving around Bobby D being Bobby D, right? It was like mm-hmm. when I got hired there, they told me number one, don't come in a suit to to interview. I was like, don't come in in a suit. What, what are you talking about? Like, uh, this Yo, is I want to look sharp, to. bro. Like, <laughs> um, to you. like uh, when I walk into the office, uh, people wearing kilts, sandals, t shirts, tank tops, and I'm like, oh, y'all chilling out here. I was like, yeah. All right, then let me show you. So I pull up with my Miami Heat hat on. I got my Jordans. I got my cut <laughs> pants. You know, I'm, I'm I'm I was sliding out there. I mean, it felt so cool to be in an environment where. Um, I wasn't viewed as like, oh, uh, you, you don't belong here, but you belong and we want you to be yourself. Um, and with that mindset, it actually allowed me to become even more of an effective engineer. Um, because one of the things that we found out in studies is that the pressure that melanated black people feel about going into work or women having to do their hair, it's stressful. Like, oh, I don't know if they're not going to like it or something like that. But imagine if you don't have that stress. It just opens up your mind to what you're capable of doing. And they truly embraced that. Um, And it allowed me to really flourish, not only as an engineer, but also into the community itself. Um, Because one of the sadder parts about my journey is that in 2013, I could count maybe five black engineers in the whole organization. And by the time I left in 2022, I couldn't count how many because we had hundreds, right? They said, (laughs) they were like, Bobby D, we have an initiative. We want to increase diversity. I was like, word. All right, put me out on the streets. Let me go talk at schools. Let me go find them, bring them back, support them when they got there because I'm one of those lead engineers because I know how all this stuff works. It's not like I'm just bringing you and just like, hey, figure out how to grow yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I was there nurturing, teaching, and I actually got this title of being like a cultural mentor when we had black engineers join our organization um, and definitely was able to level up a lot of people. So um, yeah, big ups to Twitter and actually Twitter 1.0, because I don't know what he's doing right now. And one thing I'll add, keeping my ears to the streets before Elon pulled up, you remember I got laid off at my first job, right? Yeah. I, keeping my ears to the street as a leader, they started to ask questions about our infrastructure. They was like, yo, so how much we pay for this? How, what do we got here? What are we doing here? And I was like, oh, oh, there's an acquisition coming up. I was like, yeah. I, I didn't know it was going to be Elon. But by that time, I was already there for a good minute. I worked on some of my you know, coolest projects I've ever worked on. I've impacted my community. I was like, hey, I'm going to go do something else, deuces. Um, and then less than a month or two later, that's when I found out that Elon was pulling up. So uh, those life experiences help influence and also keep me safe uh, to not go through that drama up and down on a roller coaster type stuff. Um, and definitely want to encourage everybody to, to utilize what they've learned over the years to influence where you go in the future. Yeah, because I, I remember when when Elon was taking over was taking over and it was just like, yo, people are being laid off. Like he's he's getting rid of so many people, all this and that. And like, you know, as you're saying, the experiences you learn from being laid off when you were younger, you're like, that ain't happening again, bro. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all right. That's, I'm, I'm you ain't gonna, gonna catch me slipping. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, yo, Bobby, where you going? I'd be like, Y'all didn't hear the news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For sure, for sure. 
So yeah, and I, I think it's it's sort of awesome um to sort of hear your experiences because I don't think we get many like and this is sort of why I started the the podcast because you know we've got we've got black men that are actors, superstars, like footballers, basketballers, the, the whole shebang. And it's sort of like, is that the only way you can succeed? When it's like, no, like you can be yourself and you can go into an environment. And I'm glad Twitter was an environment where they sort of allowed you to be yourself. And that's totally awesome. Like I didn't really sort of realize that about Twitter, but it makes sense because Twitter is like, it's a platform where everyone just says whatever they want and just sort of, you know, it's people speaking their minds. So it would be sort of incongruent for the culture of the, you know, of Twitter to be opposite to what Twitter is. Um, So I'm really glad that, you know, you were in that space to be able to thrive. And, you know, as I was saying, you're, you were successful in being an engineer and it's like, how many black engineers do we hear from that are successful? It's like, I think you're the first person I've actually talked to as a black engineer that is successful. So it's, I'm honored. It's, <laughs> so it's, it's the last though, but definitely I'll, yeah, I'll take the first. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing. Nice. It's, it's definitely awesome to hear. And yeah. And bringing in people as well and helping sort of feed that culture of, you know, come in here and be yourself, bro. Like, you know, wear your Jordans, wear your Miami heat top, like be yourself. That's, that's what we love. That's what we want in more places. And it's, it's a shame schools aren't like that because Thanks. it sort of starts like when you're younger, it's like, yo, you can't have the certain trim. You can't do this with your hair. You can't, you know, and it's like, yo, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? Why are we teaching kids to be slaves and just monotonous mm. rather than embracing who your individual self is? For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it really changes um, mindset. And I'll give you a quick story. So uh, one of the things that I had the pleasure of um, supporting at Twitter is uh, Black Engineering at Twitter group that we had. Um, and one of the things that we really pushed was to have um, newer interns look like us. So that was like, yo, pushing the envelope and pushing recruiting, pushing teams to embrace this idea of uh, um, diverse interns coming in that we had some of the first I've met some or not met mentored some of the first two black interns that we had at the company. But the story is, is that when they first started, um, we kind of set up a situation that we were going to have lunch with them. And when you walk into Twitter's lunch uh, and whatever you are, uh, the cafeteria, whenever you you know look online, you'll see how massive it is. It's an open space, nice cafeteria. And I was one of those cats. Like I said, I was already out there moving. I was walking to the lunchroom. I'm dapping up everybody saying what's up to everybody. So much so that I used to skip lunch to go a little bit later because I just run into too many people. <laughs> this, this specific incident, I wanted to pull up on these two black engineers and show them what kind of moves we're making out here. So much so that I seen one in the cut and I was like, yo, and he gave me that look and I gave him that nod and I walked up to him, dapped him up. And he was like, oh, yo, I was heard that there's another one. And he was like, yo, there's another one, brother. <laughs> I dapped him up like that. And oh my gosh, their shoulders went from being scared and timid to like, oh shit, I feel like I'm at home. And I was like, yo, come and hang out with the crew. And I had my guys there, Chris Coco, uh, Robert Griffin. And we sat there and we just gave them that first introduction to Twitter. Both of them, oh my gosh. One of them is a principal engineer. Another one is a CEO and founder. And it all started off with us just giving them that feeling that they belong, that they can learn and develop. And yo, that that's a cultural mentor. I'm digging the dirt, planting the seed, water it. Yeah. I tell you, it's it's amazing what what can happen um, if you just give people the right space. I'm um, definitely encourage them to be themselves. Yeah. So I guess for you, what do you think sort of tech companies can do 
to sort of embrace that diversity and inclusion and bringing in like diverse perspectives. Yeah. So one thing that uh, sitting at the table, um, I really realized that sometimes there's this feeling of feeling like an imposter. Imposter syndrome is something that's been, you know, burning in our industry and definitely for people of color and in spaces that we don't find other people that look like us. But even in those spaces, I always find that my input into an idea sometimes comes from a different angle and they don't even think about it that way. And it's like, as soon as you start to embrace how diverse perspectives can help you solve problems, create products and or develop systems, you'd be surprised what you create. And every time I got a chance just to add just a little bit of diverse perspective or talk about my journey. No, I didn't go to no Ivy League, MIT, Stanford. No, no, no. I went nowhere. I went for no, I didn't even go for your college. I went to your technical school and here goes my drop. And it's like changes everybody's mind. It changes the dynamics. It changes the culture. And what it does, it helps you produce and create some really awesome products. Um, one thing that we found out doing research is that. Uh, you get to a point where you can't innovate anymore if you just have the same type of people making those recommendations. As soon as you add just a little bit of something different, something totally different, now they're able to iterate and create even more. So if any encouragement that I could have for organizations that are questioning the value of diversity, now it's not just to check a box on a list. Yeah, yeah, we hired. No, no, I'm talking about being able to create a $44 billion company that the richest man in the world bought and nobody knew how many black people were sitting at the table to help us create something so diverse and also something that impacts the world. So that's my input into that and definitely want to encourage people to um, branch out from what you feel is the norm and really bring in more ideas um, because your product, I guarantee you, like Twitter, was accessed by so many different people in the world. Why not bring those same people into the organization and see what you can create? Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, you know, for like in, we're using Twitter as the example, as you're saying, almost everybody uses Twitter, like Twitter is huge. Like there are so many different demographics. And if you aren't reflecting those demographics in your work and in your culture, one is it's going to put you and your business at a disadvantage because you're not going to have those people that can be like, yo, this shouldn't be on the platform or, you know, mm. let's include this because it's going to reach out to these certain types of people. And as you're saying, the product is going to be better. It's going to be more diverse. And it's sort of like you're putting yourself at it. Like as a business, why would you put yourself at a disadvantage if you can do something about it and it helps you thrive and it helps you grow? And then man, it's amazing because then we have more people of color. We have more women of color involved and that can help understand you know and then when we had covid here in the pandemic well i mean yeah. everyone had covid so, like it's just here in england or something but i i you know the, con the conservative government they i remember it came out in a report later on and the women in the in the in the party, in the rooms, weren't being heard. Mm. No one was listening to how COVID would impact women and women of, you know, domestic violence. And I think they did make a, res a response to it, but it's just that thing of like, okay, you don't know what someone else's experience is. So bring that person in so they can help you. And then you can then do something about it rather than just assuming, you know, there's this... Sure. There's a TV show called Arrow, absolutely loved. Um, 
and Deathstroke is like, uh, Assumption is the mother of all failures. And that's something that's just always stuck in my head because I'm like, yo, we always assume. We always think, oh, this is that and this is this and, you know, it must be this. When it's like, yo, you don't know. And you assuming is not going to help you know anymore. So why not bring in those people that know more than you? For sure, 100%. So... I, you know, like I said, one, I I love the background, um, but I also love the shirt as well. And I wanted wanted to get onto it for people that aren't watching on YouTube, you know, uh, it's got hashtag tech hustle, black, white strip, you know, it looks, it looks sharp. It looks sharp. What what is it, bro? What is it? Tell my audience about it. Tell me about it. So think about, you know, working at Twitter for almost a decade and I'm like, yo, uh, what's next for me? And one thing that I really embraced is this idea of really trying to impact, not trying, but impacting my community directly. Uh, First of all, the tech hustle is all about the culture. If you're underrepresented and you need to develop skills around and or have a community that people that look like you can give you them gems and drop some knowledge, that's what the tech hustle is really focused on. So the tech hustle is a tech community. Uh, really just developing engineers or people that are looking into getting engineering, but also teaching technical skills like intermediate, intro, and fundamental about tech, uh, Linux operations and systems administration to writing programs, learning about Python, Bash, and some of the programming language that most people may not talk about. But these are the gifts that I bring to the table because that's what I've stepped away from the keyboard for is impacting my community directly. And that's what the tech hustle is really all about. Bro, bro, nah, that's dope. And yeah, I really love that sort of you taking everything you've learned from Twitter, from, you know, at the help desk and bringing that into something of your own and something that is for the community. Um, And, you know, it's it's brilliant to hear, to be honest, because I think I think sometimes people build loads of skills and knowledge and keep it all to themselves. And it's Mm. like, yo, what are you doing? Like, come on, bring people in, like build others up. And that, you know, as you're talking about being in the leadership at Twitter, um, that probably really helped in terms of how you're doing that now. Like what, what are maybe some of those transferable leadership skills that are helping you in tech hustle? Yeah. So uh, definitely one of those that really comes to mind is I'm a public speaker also. So I do travel the world. I was actually out in London, uh, June, uh, speaking at a leadership conference called Lead Dev, Staff Plus to be specific. Um, but more specifically, these are skills that I took from Twitter because I used to travel the, you know, to other Twitter locations, teach other engineers how to you know, recruit, how to interview, but also teaching them the skills of how to be an engineer at Twitter. And I've really been able to take that to the next level because I, I'm, I'm always looking for the next stage to talk on. And, and I can't wait until my TED talk comes out. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for them to give me the call. So if you listen and holler at your boy, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be watching, bro. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. <laughs> but uh, the other leadership skills is like team development. Uh, one of the things that I really learned that I have a really gift for is being able to, uh, first of all, point out the people that may not feel like they belong and find ways to draw and bring them into the group, into a crew. Um, and really just labeling it that, like that, because it was my crew that we rolled with, right? Um, is being able to not just see the greatness in you, but add just a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, you know, just sauce it up a little bit. Oh, there you go. You're good to go, right? And then you start to develop teams that they become leaders themselves based off of your influence, right? So it's something that I really enjoy doing at Twitter and really working towards building that community here at the Tech Hustle to take those same principles. 
um, and obviously engineering, right? I engineered at a very high level you know, I've managed some of the world's largest compute clusters. Now, in terms of large, and I'm going to give you just some numbers, it's like I manage well over uh, 500,000 computers around the world um, with these fingertips, right? Um, <laughs> and or uh, dealing with outages, right? There was, there's a, a chapter in my book, and that's a little bit of plug too, uh, called <laughs> love a plug. Uh, The World Knows Me, But Y'all Don't Know Me Yet. And it's a story talking about in 2019 when Twitter went down, even my mom called me like, yo, what's going on? I was like, yo, mom, I got this. <laughs> and nobody Come knows on, that on, I was doing the engineers, right? And the cut like this, that, 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 that. And yo, turn on CNN real quick. In less than five minutes, do breaking news. Twitter's back up. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, being able to talk about those journeys and talking about the technical aspect of it, um, because there are so many lessons that were learned. Um, and as a site reliability engineer, that was one of my roles is to be like, all right, it's okay for us to fail, but how do we learn from this failure so that next time we can have that same feeling and everything just comes back up. And those are some of the leadership uh, things that coming to the tech hustle, not coming, are at the tech hustle. <laughs> and if you come pull up through, uh, we do webinars, uh, we do you know development at different companies, um, talking about diversity, talking about my journey, but ultimately just leveling up everybody in the process. Well, I'll let your boy, I got you. Yeah, nice. I mean, we love a shameless plug as well. So, you know, that's all good. That's all good. Um, and yeah, it's great to sort of hear how those transferable skills went. And I love the title of the book because as you were saying, you know, when Twitter was down, your mom was like, yo, sort this out, boy. What are you doing? Come on now. Come on. We need we need it back up. We need the Twitter back up. So it's even- so funny. So funny. Being behind, being behind the keyboard, being behind the screen. Um and some, some, sometimes those are so uh, sometimes those are the people that we don't appreciate as well because you don't see them, you don't know about them, so you don't you don't think about them. You always just think about who's in front of you, in whose face you can see. But those are the people that keep it running. You know, your mom knew that. Your mom was like, it's not like I'm going to be calling Elon or whoever was there yeah. on Twitter at that point, being like, fix this. He didn't. Yeah. He done that. Didn't nothing. Oh man, I used to love that stuff because that, that's the see. There was always this challenge that I had, uh, like realizing my work and the impact. Um, but during those situations, even my mom made sure I, she, she let me know, oh, we know your impact. So big mm-hmm. ups. And uh, that, that always was set well on my spirit and definitely big ups to my mom for uh, a checking in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I was, when I was reading through, um, you know, your bio and stuff and something really sort of stood out to me and it was standing in the light of your gift. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. What, yeah. what, what do you mean by it? What, what, what sort of, how does that show up in things that you do? Yeah. So that, that, that's a bar I wrote down, you know me, I'm, I'm always hey. trying to, you know, get, get people to remember these phrases. Um, standing in the light of your gift um, is a part of my Ted talk that I do um, where it's really just, just like the story was talking about realizing my gift early from engineering Uh, to speaking and being able to draw in. And I know you've been feeling my energy, right? And that's the thing that I feel like a lot of people shy away from um, if they have it. And I only want to encourage you to stand in it, right? Um, Because once you have an idea of your gift, um, you have this belief in yourself, um, there is no door that you can't walk through and or no room that you can't be yourself. Um, And it's really just foundationally inspiring you to number one, find that and look for it. And when you do, you know, you got it. Um, I even hear it in you. Like I can hear your light, right? Thanks. Is the stand in it, right? Producing podcasts and really just showcasing your ability. I um, especially for us melanated people, because 
um, we have some very unique skills. We're creators by nature, um, and we've been living in systems that have been trying to push them down. Now we have an opportunity, and I don't care what they say, we're going to shine regardless. And that's what I want to really encourage you to do um, is to stand in the light of your gift. Yeah, no, amazing. And, you know, as, as you were saying, this bars, you know, I'm seeing the J. Cole behind you. <laughs> so Inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a great album as well, that one is. Yeah, um, for sure. And I, I think that is sort of quite important in like, you know, you've got to sort of understand yourself. You've got to sort of know who you are and be able to embrace that. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. You know, I think, I think that's one thing which I'm sort of still learning in terms of bringing myself to an environment. But like, I remember when I was about to start my job um, and even when I went for my interview, I was, I, I was feeling confident. I can't lie to you because I know I interview well. I know I can present myself well. And I remember I was coming back and I was like, yeah, I was telling my mom, yeah, interview went well. Um, I was like, I was like cracking up some jokes and stuff like that. She was like cracking up jokes in an interview. Like, and I was like, nah, it was just, it was just like witty. It was just like banter. Like it was, it was just a rapport that we were building. But then I remember talking to my manager um, and she was like, yeah, you interviewed really well. You, you, you put yourself across really well. Mm -hmm. And for me, I already knew I, I put myself really well, but even just having someone say that to you and it's like, oh, brilliant. So I think for me, I, I still also want to be able to do that in new environments. And I think sometimes, even though I'm quite a bubbly person, even though I can talk to anybody, I think sometimes maybe it takes me a little bit of time to warm up. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe my parents and, and my siblings will say something different. <laughs> um, but I, there are situations where sometimes I can feel myself restricting who I am. And that's not something I ever really want to do because, you know, it's maybe got to a point where I'd sort of do love my personality. There's other things about myself that I don't like, which is fine. Sometimes you have that, but my personality is something which I really do like about myself. Yeah. Stand on it, stand on it. And I tell you, people see it. Like I said, I feel your energy. I see it. Even when I went to your page and I was like, Oh, I feel it. That's <laughs> the light. You just need to keep shining. Cause I promise you other people will gravitate closer to you and then you'll start to get that reflection back. So yeah, big shout outs to your journey though. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, as someone who, like I, I listened to this podcast called the high performance podcast, absolutely rate it. It's really good for anyone that wants to listen. Um, but for you, you I'm giving, you know, you're giving me that energy. You're, you're quite a high performer. You know, you've been, you've been to the tops of companies like Twitter and now starting your own community. Like are there sort of, I guess, strategies or even habits that you sort of picked up that have helped you get to where you are? Yeah. So um, you, one of the key things in life um, is number one, realizing that we're in, stuck in a loop. You, if you wake up tomorrow, it's a loop, right? Is one thing that makes loops and or experience of life is introducing habits. Um, so much so that if you have a habit and then you miss that habit, you start to feel yourself as off, right? It's almost like, and I'm just using it as a, a way to calibrate as like brushing your teeth. Like if you wake up one morning, you, you run and you forget and you're like, oh, there's something off about it because you just didn't do that habit or that thing that you know on that daily basis is something that you do is self-care, self-love, appreciation. And if you don't meditate, find ways to get yourself into a quiet space to allow your mind to meditate and reflect on yourself, your journey, and just quietness, right? So for me, meditation on a daily basis in the morning is just like brushing my teeth. Like I have to have that habit. And I do want to encourage people uh, to take those 
different type of um, skills in terms of meditation, prayer and things like that. But make sure it's something that you do on a daily basis. Uh, the other thing is, is like journaling, writing down, inspiring um, or manifesting. Right. Uh, but not just manifesting. Oh, I'm going to get this believing in it. Right. It's like, yo, you writing like, yo, I'm going to get that. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be there. Right. Um, because the other thing that I didn't mention about my journey is that majority of the things I've accomplished are things that I manifested in my life. I 100% have from, oh, I want to work at a company that the world knows about, or, hey, I want to travel the world while I'm young, right? I was manifesting and dreaming and believing them and writing them down. And I go read some of them. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did it. What state on that? 1998? <laughs> I can't believe I was writing that stuff down since then. Is to have those daily habits and those ways of getting your mind in the right frequency, but also journaling and documenting your journey um, and telling, you know, the universe where you want to be at. Um, and I guarantee you those doors will open up. Um, I know I'm getting more in, you know, self-development, you, know, you know, motivational stuff like that, but it's very impactful to me because that's how I'm getting these opportunities to speak to the world. Because if I go check my journal, one of the things I write on there is all the time is impacting the world, global impact 2024. And look, I'm speaking to a podcast that's definitely going to be able to help me check that box. I mean, I definitely want to encourage everybody to, to pick up some of those habits for sure. Yeah. You know what? Like I, like I just mentioned in that podcast and all of them talk about world-class basics, doing those things every day, doing those things on a consistent basis. Like for me, like doing this podcast, like I'm, I'm, I'm also trying to get healthier, um, and you know, I, all I keep thinking about consistency, consistency, just keep doing, just keep going, keep going. And like, it will, it will come. And I think also seeing other podcasts that are successful, they've got something like 500, 600 episodes or like mm -hmm. 300 episodes. And like even Steve Bartlett, like his podcast, I don't know, maybe he has like 200 episodes. Remember I was looking at me and my sister were looking at him and I was like, Oh, yo, he's actually been doing this podcast thing for a while, but like, it just feels like he's blown up within the last two years and he's already on like uh, 200 episodes. And me and my sister were like, yo, we never knew about this guy's podcast mm. like two years ago. So like doing those world-class basics, doing those habits, like just consistently, like it's going to come, you know what I mean? Like it, it will come for you if you're working hard at it if you'll continue to develop, if you, you know, as you were saying for you, you had to take the scenic route, you know, not everyone is as fortunate to be, you know, a child of a billionaire or to somehow just be famous. <laughs> take the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not everybody, man. Most people had to take a scenic route to get there. And we never see the journey. We only just see the end destination of people on like social media doesn't help because all you see is people who are looking great and feeling yeah. great and life's all good. When I mean, you know, that's, that's just a snapshot. No one wants to show you the daily grind of it. Um, sure. So for me, yeah, I, I, I resonate with, I resonate with that. Like I need to start journaling more often. I used to do it quite often. Meditation is something yeah, I, I wholly stick by because one, it just helps you feel like more, just more centered. As you're mm. saying, it helps you have a clear mind. I was talking to someone the other week um, about how meditation can just, it can calm you. It can, you know, the power of the breath. Like if you're feeling stressed, the stress will still be there. Don't get me wrong. But like, if you're able to just take yourself out of a moment, breathe, and you can to start to feel release. And it's like those small things, 
like have such a huge impact. 100%. Thank you. Yeah. And, and thank you for being able to make those connections because um, it truly is um, something that's empowering to me. And, and, and when I'm really get down to like thinking about human beings, I'm, I'm an engineer at mine. Right. So I'm like thinking at, is it like from an engineering perspective, like how does this stuff really connect and how does this really work? Right. And then you start to find things that, Oh, that's the reason why is starting from those foundational habits. And then you start to see, Oh, that is like connecting us or connecting me to where I want to go in my life. And I've been doubling down on it. And I just definitely encourage everybody to do your research um, and really just understand the value behind it. Um, and then, like you said, consistency is that that's what's really going to show you the, the, the worth of the time that you're spending. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Bobby, I've loved this whole conversation that we've had. Um, and you know, we're, we're talking about energies, like, you know, there's times where I'm like before, before an episode, like today I was shattered after work, I was sat in my bedroom and I was just like watching sports. And I was like, like, I was like, Oh, I hope he not, not, not bad in terms of, I hope he cancels, but I was like, Oh, I could just do with like a sleep or a rest. But like every time I do an episode, I feel so much more jazzed afterwards and having you on, you, you brought that energy to me. You brought that Miami heat energy to me, bro. So I thank you. I like pouring. I keep pouring, you know, I keep pouring. And that that's definitely something that uh, I bring in terms of my light is that ability to uh, raise the temperature in a room, but also continue to pour to inspire um, because I'm only, only following along on a sideline, watching your journey. And I'm rooting for you to, um, and definitely just want to make sure, you know, uh, over here on the other side of the pond, uh, we'll be representing for you um, and definitely being able to hold it down. So if you pull up to Miami, holla at your boy. I got you for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I've been Miami twice and I've loved it both times. So like now I've just got even more reason to go back to Miami again. Um, sure. So it's definitely got to be done. Um, but before we end this episode, I just wanted to finish off with a question that I'll score my guests. And if that saved as a black boy that's listening to this conversation, how can something that you know help them with an understanding of themselves, but also an inspiration to start getting into the tech industry? Yeah, for sure. Um, this is like really going out there, right? Is number one, just know that you're loved, you're beautiful, who you are. And I, they, you don't hear men telling other men this, but I'm telling you as a young, melanated, youthful person, um, you have something great, something that I know, you know, exists. Um, the fact that you can hear me means you have some consciousness and there's something unique about you. Um, there's something unique about the skin we have. Go outside and stand and see how unique you are is to embrace it. Don't let anybody tell you you're less than. And listen, your friends of circle, as you get older, they're going to get smaller and tighter. But the ones you keep around you. Make sure those are the ones that are uplifting you, motivating you, inspiring you to do great things because I know you have it in you. Um, when I look back in history at some of the great things that we have achieved, um, there are things that were invented that they still don't know how it was done. And it was because it was done by people that look like me and you, truly. And if anything, just be yourself. Don't be afraid. And if you need anybody to talk to, lean on, or a journey to follow, I'll let your boy is Bobby D. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Thank you so much. No, it's all right, man. Thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. I've absolutely loved it. Um, You did a shameless plug during the podcast, but I want you to shamelessly plug even more. Like, just tell tell me where people can find you. Tell me what, how people can engage with you. Definitely. The techhustle.com, the techhustle.com. And we'll have it, you know, in the, in the description uh, below. Um, but we run a newsletter, a monthly newsletter talking about tech. Uh, and I also run a weekly podcast. So I'm also doing a podcast. It's audio only for now, uh, but it's myself as the host, Bobby D. And then I got my right hand man, D Hustle. And then my cousin, Raymond, don't call him Ray Ray. And all of us have been in the field of engineering and technology for a number of years. And we're dropping gems. We're talking about the culture and life and definitely inspire everybody to tune along, uh, come along. I also have a book that's coming out. Um, like I said, there's a chapter in there called uh, The World Knows Me, But Y'all Don't Know Me Yet. Um, definitely check me out. Um, and yeah, I'll be on stages around the world because it's already written in my book that I'm going to touch it. Um, and I, I've already touched it a, a few spots. But yeah, follow along on YouTube and all platforms. It's the Tech Hustle. And yeah, we out in these streets trying to level up everybody. So come holla at your boy. Nah, thank you, Bobby D. So yeah, I hope you have a good day. Um, it's evening for me, but I don't know what, what what's the time in Miami, bro. What's the uh, Miami so it's vibe 3 saying? Yeah, it's about to be three p.m. right now, so we, we still got some more hours before the sun goes down. And I miss heat, bro. Oh, <laughs> today so, is yeah. seventy-five, so we're doing good out here. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So yeah, thank you very much for coming. Um, and yeah, I loved this whole conversation. I hope you have a good day. Peace. And that is a wrap for today's episode of the Black and Raw podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to what has been an absolutely incredible conversation with Bobby D, a true pioneer in the tech industry. Before we sign off, I want to extend a massive thanks to Bobby for sharing his insights, wisdom and inspiring journey with us. Bobby, your dedication to diversity, inclusion and empowerment is nothing short of remarkable and is changing the face of tech for the better. And for people that listen, remember, innovation knows no boundaries. Keep pushing the limits, challenging the status quo and embracing the power of diversity in all that you do. If you enjoyed today's episode, let's be real. Come on, come on. Don't lie to yourselves. How could you not? Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the Black and Raw podcast. Your feedback fuels our passion for bringing diversity to what is known to be a black man. Until then, stay curious, stay innovative, and never stop hustling for your dreams, guys. Thank you very much. If you want to find out a bit more about Bobby, everything will be in the show notes. So we will talk. We will talk very, 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 very soon. Very, very soon.